Welcome to the Single Cell World, the podcast for scientists in which we disentangle single cell technology. Here, frustration and failure are transformed into clarity and understanding. I am Katia Motinho, and in this podcast, I want to share with you my experience in single cell research. How? In the form of useful advices that you can use in the lab after each episode. Ready to learn? Let's start. Hi, everyone. Welcome to one more episode of this podcast. I hope everything is good on your side. Today, we will be talking about SORTSEQ, a single cell RNA sequencing method, because I will have the pleasure to talk with Mauro Muraro, the first author of the paper where this method was published. Hi, Mauro. Hello, good morning. Hi, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Besides single cell experiments, Maro also co-founded Single Cell Discoveries and is the current CEO. By the way, he has been working in single cell sequencing, single cell research for almost 10 years, more than me. <laughs> so stay tuned to listen about our experiences. And Maro, before we enter in uh, technology methods, can you explain us where you are from and how did you arrive to the lab where you started? Start developing the SORTSIC. Right. So uh, I'm originally from Brazil, from Porto Alegre, uh, so the southernmost capital in Brazil. And I grew up uh, partially there and then partially in uh, in Uruguay, in uh, Montevideo, and uh, moved to Holland when I was almost seven years old. So I have a bit of a migrant background, if you will. And then basically in high school, got interested in the DNA parts of the biology books and decided to study molecular biology and uh, ended up doing a systems biology bachelor and master's, which was quite new then. And I, because I really like the aspect of quantifying biology. Uh, I once read this paper on uh, can a biologist fix a radio, which I found uh, <laughs> very telling and very uh, very spot on. And yeah, I just like the, the idea of, of being able to model and quantify biology. So let's uh, set out to find a PhD that would combine that plus some of my master's work, which was um, stem cell work. I really like the combination of both. And that's how I ended up at uh, Alexander van Oudenaarden's uh, lab. He was moving back then from uh, from MIT to, to Hubrecht uh, Institute in, in the Netherlands. Uh, and when I landed... Uh, back in Holland, uh, because I was in, in New York when I applied, I found out that uh, the lab was setting up single cell sequencing, basically. It was a really new technique back then, and we're just getting into it, and um, that's how I got into the field, basically. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good. So it's amazing your, like, your path until you arrive to this lab. Yeah, yeah. So let's now start with technology and with the methods. And from let's start from the basics. What is SortSeq? Right, so SortSeq, bottom line, is a automated high throughput fax compatible version of CellSeq, CellSeq 2 to be uh, specific. So one of the, the original three big protocols in the single cell. We were using CellSeq for single cell work. Uh, we were trying different methods. That's the one that really worked in our hands. We liked the linear amplification part, uh, respect slowly expressed transcripts a bit more, but we were doing it in a way that was uh, very laborious. With a glass capillary needle, we were picking single cells, putting them in, in the caps of Eppendorf tubes between the legs of the E. Uh, later, we were fax sort to eliminate the picking of cells and then doing trisal extractions and then RNA sequencing on the dried pellet, which as you can imagine, took a really long time. We basically, we set out to um, to automate it, but we like the fax compatibility because it gives you a lot of control over the input material. We've found a way basically to skip the RNA extraction uh, as anyone else is, is doing nowadays with, with basically there's no no more extraction, right, for single cell. So basically it's it's fax sorting into 384 well plates. The 384 well plates have some oil with a small droplet with primer in there. So you shoot yourself directly into a plate and 
that plate you can freeze and keep for for months if you want and or process right away so that gives it a lot of flexibility uh, and then you can process uh, we use robotics so liquid handling to process uh, many plates at a time at at nanoliter volumes uh, or at least the first reactions are at nanoliter volume so it's kind of like a macgyvery version of microfluidic <laughs> yeah that was my next question how did you got the idea to develop this method, sorry, but it's that I, I suppose that is like always we are at the lab and we want to make things faster, uh, more automatized, like not to be manual as you are telling, like to save time, right? That your idea came from, okay, how can we improve this technology that there is already, Celsius, and make it more faster, right? That was, uh, yeah, it was uh, the, the first thought was just to speed up the process, make, make everyone's life easier. It took us uh, the first project, uh, well, well, the first project I worked on there, my PhD, we, we killed after a year. But the second project I worked on uh, after a year of pipetting with uh, Gita, who was a postdoc, Gita Dharmatikari, she was a postdoc at the, the coding group. Basically, the two of us pipetted for almost a year, almost full time. And we had a data set of 3000 cells, I think, which was back then it was big, but cannot scale research really that way. So on the basically in the evenings, we, you know, I was trying to just speed it up and we had a robot in the lab, the, the Nanodrop 2, very confusing name. It's not the Nanodrop that you use to measure uh, RNA or DNA uh, with, but liquid mi uh, microfluidics uh, robot with that one and one was two, and we automated the whole process. Uh, but we kept the facts part as as it. Yeah, I, I understand you because when I start, is that there were no kids, there were not a lot of robots in our life, so everything was manual, and you spend a lot of time to get like information of hundred cells if you were lucky in one month. <laughs> so right now, this technology we can find it in single cell discoveries, right? Yes. And did you change something like from the moment that you publish until now, or is the same kind of workflow? Uh, no, so actually right now the the method has been quite robust. Uh, so we haven't changed it much over the the first you know four years of our company. Perhaps other people have done uh, because it's a published uh, you know open we we added or anything. So it's a it's an open uh, method. So I'm, I'm sure some people have tweaked it here and there. Uh, we ourselves have not changed it that much except for very minor things like um, the type of oil we use and uh, that that kind of stuff and the primers. But we are about to release a SortSeq 2.0 version, uh, which is faster, uh, hopefully more uh, complex data as well and that will make it um, more efficient to run in our in our lab so that we can process more plates and uh, get better data hopefully okay yeah and this kind of method or technology when do you recommend because of course right now there is technology where you can get information from thousands of cells in one experiment like high throughput this technology is more the start seek is more kind of medium throughput I will say yeah and yeah. right but again, all the technologies, they have limitations and advantages. So I'm not saying that one is better than the other. Did I always say depend on the type of samples that we have, on the project that we have in our hands? And when do you recommend to a client, for example, to use the SortSeq? Right. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, a, it's a kind of a mantra we have in our company because people... We're a company that provides single cell services. So people always come to us with the main question is what should I use? How many cells? How many? And the answer to all those questions is usually a very annoying one, which 
changes. It depends on your biological question. There's no right, wrong, perfect method for everything. So you have to, exactly like you said, define it based on your project. So SortSeek is very useful when basically you, the first step is, is when you have a lot of, when you need a lot of control over your input. So for example, you have a really rare subpopulation. There's very few cells in your sample, a couple hundred, a couple thousand, maybe even 10,000, but too little for the methods that require tens of thousands of cells as input. So if you're really looking for that needle in the haystack and you want to enrich it and you want to basically every cell matters, uh, that's where SortSeek is great because you can really select your subpopulation. You can, the fax is really good at making sure that you don't sort doublets. So you're sure that the data is, is very high quality, right? No doublets. You can select for live cells. So you know that there's no stressed or dead or dying cells in your data. So the, the quality of the data generally is quite high and you can really pinpoint the population of interest. So that's one. Two is it's great for when you have many samples and low numbers of cells that you need. So for example, you have 10, 20 patients you want to have a quick look at and define which of these five do I want to really dig into. The cool thing about SortSeek is you can sort a bunch of plates five and place the plates themselves are not that expensive per sample or per patient or whatever. And then you can process just one from each and see which ones gives you the data you're looking for. And then post hoc, basically, after you look at that first data, you can go back, grab the rest of the plates and then amplify your data set because you can just store these plates in the freezer. So it gives you a lot of modularity and um, it's less of a all or nothing type approach. So that, that makes it quite good for when you need a lot of samples and fewer numbers of cells. If you go beyond two, 3,000 cells per sample, it becomes quite expensive compared to other methods. So you really have to have a good reason to go beyond those cells num cell numbers. Yeah, I think you summarized the advantages of plate-based methods in general. But yeah, I would We'll add something else that is the size of the cells that we are working because when we are working with big cells like more than 30 micrometers mm -hmm. some technology of high throughput it's difficult because we are talking about channels that are very tiny so it's difficult so when we are using plate-based methods it's okay because we have a well of a plate, even if it's a 384 uh, well plate. So the size of the cells can be big and we can work with them. Yeah, we've worked with uh, cardiomyocytes, uh, for example, typically too large. It's a nice robust method for many different, I think we, we process more than 20 or, or even 30 organisms with SortSeq so, and many different cell types. So yeah, it's, it's quite uh, robust across different sizes and shapes of cells and even animals. Yeah. Yeah, that was my next question. What kind of samples can we use? So you already mentioned different species we can use, human samples. I don't know which species you like work with, with SARTSIC. Do you have like an idea? Yeah, all the sort of obvious one, human, mice, zebrafish, uh, all the all the regular um, uh, models that are used in the lab. We've done some plant work as well, usually with nuclei. And the plant work is generally leaning more towards another plate-based method we use, which is called VasaSeq, which is full length and uh, doesn't rely on the original polyatyl of the mRNA. So it's great for nuclear um, work, basically. But we've used, used SortSeq for plants, for uh, different kinds of animals. Yeah, for many, many different things. Uh, and at our company with other methods we've covered really like my favorite one maybe is the, the bearded dragon we've processed cells from those and uh, snake venom organoids that is really completely different to the things that i already saw <laughs> <laughs> and what about the preservation because ideally i know every time that i ask this question related with methods that people discovered are doing that people tell me fresh samples but yes if we don't have fresh samples for example with the sorty can we use preserved samples like for example cryopreserved samples uh, snap frozen i know that we need cells or nuclei to go through the facts 
Yeah, basically, if you can fax sort it, you can use it on, on SortSeq. Whatever you want. Yeah, if you can put it in the fax and you can shoot a single cell or nuclei into a well, then you can, you can typically uh, use SortSeq on it. And, and people have. So we've we've worked with fixed material, uh, methanol fixed, uh, cryopreserved. Uh, for when it comes to fixed fix, so FFPE or something like that, then uh, again, people lean more towards Vasa because of the protocol and the lysis. It's a bit more minimal with uh, FFPE basically or, fi- or, or regular fixed material. Uh, for we would have to probably adapt the protocol a little bit. So I would say anything that's fresh, uh, that's a, another positive thing. If you have a fax and access to it, which not everyone has, but if you do, then you can work directly with fresh and send it to us. And basically it's almost like, you know, we're working with fresh material, but in a different country. So that methanol and uh, cryopreserved all are work really, really great. Mm-hmm. I went to do some questions about how can I do if I'm kind of a client, but this for later. Right now, first, let's talk about the workflow. So I have my tissue or my cells, I go to the fact sorting, I sort my cells, one cell per well, right? And then I can freeze or I can send to you or I can process right away if I am at your lab. And what happens next? So there is the lysis of the cell. This is me guessing and because I was reading your paper. Do you have poly-A beads? What happens from there? Like after the lysis of the cell, what happens until the sequencing? Yeah, so uh, one uh, thing to mention because uh, it's important. If you are, while you're fact sorting, if you plan on using a plate-based method, sort seek or otherwise, make sure to index sort. So store the, the facts information for each well because you can do awesome stuff with it. There's a paper the, the Van Alden Arden Lab published as well. Gate ID, where, where we can, you know, we were able to, to combine uh, single cell transcriptomes with the facts information and predict new facts gates based on that for cell types of interest. So Yeah, I agree. And here comes the other question that came to my mind. Can I stain with specific proteins? Because yes, I can see via yeah, you can basically you can do slide seek. Okay. And then do there is essential the index sorting, as you are mentioning. You can do kind of multiomics, mm-hmm. <laughs> a simple multiomics, but it is multiomics because we are getting information from the protein and then from the RNA. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So make sure uh, to save index ones. But once you do and you freeze the plates, uh, so it's a very simple thing. You um, after they come to the facts, you you seal them, spin down, put on dry ice, put them in the minus eighty, and ship them on dry ice, and that. Uh, really preserves the quality well. So what happens after is the plate is uh, thawed right before we process it. So then it's uh, put in a in a robot basically that um, we are switching now from one robot to another so, so we can be more high throughput. Yeah, so in the plate there's a droplet with primers and, and cell material. Freeze thaw cycle already lyses it a bit but uh, we basically we add DNTPs. We heat it up for a while to complete the lysis. Uh, then there's a reverse transcription with poly A primers so uh, regular RT reaction. Uh, you add the UMI, the cell barcode, and you produce cDNA. Uh, then you, and this is quite specific for basically the CellSeq2 protocol we're talking about now. So then you have your your cDNA RNA hybrid is then basically broken up. You make a double stranded cDNA molecule. The primer carries a T7 promoter, and this is what what makes the CellSeq protocol different than other more more common methods nowadays, which are all PCR based. Is that now we go into linear amplification? So with the T7 promoter, we go back to RNA amplification. RNA. So it happens overnight usually. So you have a linear amplification of all your material, about a thousand fold amplification. And then you go into pretty much normal Illumina library prep. So you add an RT, um, you add the other Illumina indexing primer. So the first one was already added in the initial RT on the cell level. PCR, cleanup, library prep, and sequencing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sequencing. 
sequencing only with the Illumina sequencers, or it's possible for us to prepare the library in a different way with other technology, like, for example, BGI and sequence there, if I don't have a Illumina sequencer, for example. Right. Yeah, no. So for now, uh, so the, the SortSeq and CellSeq methods, they are uh, Illumina-based as they were published. But you could, uh, for sure, uh, change the, the primer uh, sequences or the adapter sequences on the primers, and that will allow you to do other sequencing technology. It's not per se bound to Illumina. The way it was set up and published, it was, and we are using Illumina sequencing, but I think it's always good to try other uh, technologies. Uh, it would require some uh, going back to the whiteboard, drawing out new primers, but should be possible. Yes, yes, yes. No, I'm saying this because most of part of the people, we are using Illumina sequencers, but there is now people that start using alternative uh, sequencers. So it's why I'm asking. Yeah, I think everything is adaptable because it's about primers. And I think it's good. I would be happy to see SortSeq and, and other sequencing platforms as well. Uh, the, the more people try alternatives, the better. As a, it's the fundamentals we have in our companies. We're technology agnostic on, on all levels. It's always good to have multiple alternatives. Yeah, yeah. Me too. Very agnostic <laughs> concerning technology. So let's see now reagents materials there is something that you say okay you need to buy this specific material that is mentioned in the paper or the publication I, i'm asking this why because for example things that people that don't work in single cell research like for example the plastic tubes the plates they need to be specific brands not because of the brand but because the plastic type needs to be uh, low binding, for example. These are things that people that are not working in single cell research, they are not aware. Do you have like some material, some reagents that you say, pay attention, if you are implementing the source seek in your lab, you need to use this or no? Right. So we tested a lot of different things and none of them are kind of a make it or break it type of deal where it, it I mean, there were some, but mostly that that's on the primer level and the RT enzyme master mix, those kind of, if you change those, you it can be done, but it's harder. You just have to do a full project to test many different conditions and, you know, old school molecular biology, setting up a new method type of work. And when it comes to the plastics involved, again, there's no only one way to do it. The, the plates we use and we, we recommend our Griner hard shell or any other type harder plastic. The reason being is depending on the fax machine you use, if you use an Aria, for example, they tend to have, especially the slightly older models, they have this clamp to put the plate in place. And it, it actually applies quite a bit of pressure. So if you have a softer plate, they tend to bend a little bit diagonally. And then it's very hard to calibrate the machine and get your cells in the well. So you don't want a plate that's too soft uh, and that will bend under pressure in the fax. You have to make sure that you can seal it easily and well. So use plates and foil that are compatible uh, so that that's a, that's a good thing to watch out for when it comes to tubes and pipe tips if you're doing ngs use filter tips don't use anything without filter tips and whenever you care about the material in your tube and to lose as little as possible which you do with single cell up to at least in the, in the case of sword day two where, where you have a amplified material use low bind tubes and, and just really be really paranoid about working clean, working as fast as possible. It's RNA, it's homeopathic quantities of RNA, so you have to be careful. And what about the facts? So when people want to do cell enrichment in some projects, I always say, okay, pay attention to the facts features that you are using. This meaning, for example, the size of the needle, the nozzle, okay, shouldn't be very tight shouldn't be 50 micrometers, should be 100 if you are working with cells, 70 if you are working with nuclei. Do you have some recommendations concerning the facts like conditions that people need to use? Uh, yeah, some. Uh, so indeed, the nozzle is important. And there I usually leave it up to 
you know, people usually know best what nozzle treats themselves the gentlest, fastest, best way, uh, or the fax operator will know. But um, yeah, I agree with your general nozzle recommendations there. If you're using plates, different models of, or different makes of fax machines uh, tend to do single cell in plate sorting at different speeds so the aria which is a common one is is you know people use it a lot it works great uh, there's two things one is the the speed with which it sorts cells in um, the older models used to be a bit slower than in an, uh, like one of the other machines like influx or or fusion so yeah depending on the machine if you can choose for a machine that is that has a faster step size while sorting uh, choose that because then you can do more cells or more plates in one day uh, if you have really really limited cell numbers and the fax basically uh, kind of kills half your input right yes <laughs> we agree <laughs> 50 percent is lost at least you need to have that in your mind you think that 50 percent will be lost yeah Exactly. So if the other 50% is is very low or limiting and you really want to squeeze everything out of your sample, one thing to watch out for is the mask. So fax machines have this mask where basically the droplets that come one after another, if a cell is too near the next droplet or the, 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 the one above or below it, the fax have a mask that say, don't sort this droplet because the cell is too near another droplet and there might be two cells ending up in one droplet. Obviously, you don't want that for single cell sequencing, but even if you don't apply this mask or make it very permissible, you will get way less droplet than any other single cell data set out there because the fax is still much better in preventing droplets. So if you have very limited material, make sure to not be too stringent with these masks. That will really speed up your sort by threefold and uh, and basically you, you get two or three times more cells out of the sort. You might have one droplet in your, your one doublet in your plate, but you will have a plate instead of having a quarter plate with no dro uh, doublets. So that's, that's, a, that's a big one if you have really limited uh, amount of material. And uh, other than that, just uh, if you're doing it for the first time, really make sure to calibrate well. And it's a, as yes, just use your eyes. Um, just make sure to sort the first four wells and the last four wells, so you know you calibrate it in both directions. That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And to calibrate. So, do you recommend? Because when we were doing index sorting, then for SmartSeq at the lab, and we were calibrating with beads. But if there is no beads, do you have some recommendations? Because what we were doing is to put a plate, right? with a plastic cover and then we were seeing the drops if they were correct if they were not so yeah so these two ways are yeah okay Usually don't, I don't use beads, I just use the drops. Uh, that's the fastest uh, way. Uh, so we always send our, our clients uh, an empty plate just sealed so that they can do this uh, before doing the real experiment. Yeah, this is crucial. And my experience is that you need to calibrate your fax sorting each day that you are doing. Well, this because I was using fax sorting in a facility that... Uh, before me there was other people after me there was other so we always need to calibrate day by day but of course if i suppose that in your company you have a fact sorting just for that right not yet we will in, ah, in, okay. a, <laughs> in, a, in a month or so we will have uh, fact sorting in-house and indeed it will be mostly for single cell sort seek and vast seek type of work uh, but even then i would recommend our own people they use it every day of the same week and they're the only one using it do it at like you exactly you said do it at the beginning of every experiment uh, it, it costs you and it can save you weeks or months of frustration and a lot of burnt energy time and money on empty plates yeah yeah i completely agree <laughs> other thing the fax machine for example uh, it's obligatory to have a cold support for the plate um, 
have it it's good if you don't it's not the worst thing in the world so yeah if uh, ideally yes if you have it use the 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 cold inset um if you don't have it it's not the the, the worst thing that could happen uh, just be mindful that if you have a really long sort very rare cells for example and, and it takes 20 minutes to sort which it can be if you have rare cells your first cells will be at room temperature for quite some time uh, which is not ideal but it's not something that makes the experiment fail necessarily just you have to be mindful that if you can do it you should if you can't then maybe the quality drops a little bit mm -hmm. and then i mentioned already so you have a company single cell discoveries where one of the the technologies or the methodologies the methods that you offer is sort seek if i want to do a sort seek experiment with you uh, you already mentioned that i can do the sort at my lab or at my institute and then send you the plate it should be in dry ice and you will do the experiment but can I also send my sample to you or no? What uh, options do I have? Yeah, so first of all, we will send you the plates to, we call them a cell capture plate, so to, to put the cells in. So you don't have to make those yourself. And we'll talk you through, you know, things we're discussing now with the facts, etc. So we, we, we always try to help people set up an experiment, especially if it's their first time. And then indeed you sort, you send us the plates on dry ice and uh, we take care of all the handling and a big part of the data analysis as well. So you get, uh, you don't get raw data, you get some exploratory analysis as well. When it comes to us doing the fact sorting, as of next month, uh, we will start offering that. We, we're already doing it a little bit, but we have limited capacity. Um, and in the future, we can actually do that for many more projects. It depends a bit on, on how many plates you want to do, uh, because we do have to reserve a day in the lab and some people, etc. So ideally, you want to do it for multiple plates, not just one. But uh, yeah, we can support people with fact sorting as well. Okay. And something that uh, we talk about single cell discoveries, but I never ask you, what is single cell discoveries? Let's say, what is the goal of the company so the goal of the company uh from the beginning was to to make this this awesome technology that, that we we really love and we we are good at uh, to make it accessible to people uh, and to basically accelerate research so uh, there's a lot of awesome research in the world different fields in, in academia and uh, biotech and pharma companies and single cell sequencing is, is tricky to set up and the data is tricky to analyze so uh, basically what we're here for is to help people get good data for their research so that that's the mission of the company and to bring this technology to as many research lines as possible and then help people make discoveries and we figured we could only really do that if we are end-to-end -end and we have a really good team that's also very flexible so that's why we don't just offer SortSeq which was our kind of our native technology we offer a, a bunch of different uh, technologies and we were always our R&D team is always work on adapting technologies uh, sometimes we get a question of something we cannot do yet and we get it again and the next month we get it again so then we set out to just just make that happen. So we develop a new method or we tweak an existing one. And the same thing we do on, on the data analysis side. So we, we try to give people something that they can really hit the ground running. So I would say I want people, if they receive our data and the next day they have a group meeting, they can already put some, some slides in and, and they can already reach some conclusions by just sitting at the computer for an hour or two with our data. So we try to give people really a complete package with a lot of flexibility built in, depending on, on the project. You can give support from the beginnings, experimental designing right until the end take the plots of your data that were analyzed like you can cover everything yes but you also i suppose that you can cover certain parts because there are people that they are experts on data analysis but they have like the need for someone to help them with the technology the experimental designing so what you give is full support or parts of the process support right 
both depending on the on the question so for example for larger companies often they want to outsource everything including even tissue sourcing so they don't even want to source the tissue themselves because they're, they're good at something else they're not good at the cellular molecular biology so then we really take care of even finding the tissue and doing some some experiments on the tissue and then doing signals on sequencing so we can really start early for people who are for example experts in, in data analysis we can just deliver the fast q files there's sometimes people we work a lot with core single cell facilities as well so for example some of them already have 10x genomics libraries, but they don't have sequencing in-house. So then we can do the sequencing and the data part, or just the sequencing part. Uh, we have a NovaSeq X now uh, in, in our lab, so we have a lot of capacity for sequencing. So if people are in a core facility and they want to do the 10x part, for example, themselves, but they want to send the libraries to us, that's also possible. So we, we are, we're quite modular. Um, we like working end-to-end -end because it, it builds a relationship. We can really help from the beginning, and we can guarantee quality a bit more because we, we did everything from the beginning. But um, yeah, no, we, we can be flexible and just to experiments just do the sequencing or just do the data as well so we also do a lot of data consulting projects that are only data mm -hmm. yeah i agree in terms of uh, troubleshooting when you have to do troubleshooting it's difficult if you didn't uh, did the experiment or you are not aware from end to end it's difficult because it happens to me like i need first to check every step and then say okay the problem may be here there it's <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of potential artifacts in, in single cell data that's actually the, the the projects I would love to do with our companies, so we call it artifactology. It's a lot of work, but I would love to do it or collaborate with someone who, who who's, who's working on thing is is to basically source tissues from different places, process them with at least two or three different methods, uh, at least with a, a couple different pairs of hands as well. Uh, maybe sequence them on different platforms and map them with different uh, mappers. Because what I've seen in the past is that even if you have very similar tissue and very similar technology, but you do them separate, fifty percent of your differentially expressed genes between to cell type A and cell type B, they will be different. And often they're stress response genes or mapping artifacts. But if we just get data from different sites, combine it, or, or you get an experiment that someone else did, you, you never know where the artifacts come from. So I think it would be a, a very useful exercise to systematically go through this and, and, and figure it out. But it's a, it's a big project. Yeah, it's the eternal benchmarking. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> No, and finding out what, what genes are due to using SortSeq or 10x or what genes in your data are due to using Illumina or uh, BGI or what genes are there because the cells were stressed while they were in the lab. And those, those, so kind of getting a usual suspect, most wanted list of genes. Yeah, there are some works already publishing a little bit with that perspective in uh, benchmarking. But to be honest, I think it's difficult. It's very difficult but because, as you said, there is a huge problem on sample preparation mainly because there are no standard protocols. And as you mentioned, if I do a protocol and you do a protocol, the result may be different, right? And the other part of like a variable is in data analysis. No one is using the same methods to analyze the data. And it's like if in the lab, it's more or less similar, even if we are working with different protocols, at the end, we need to have viable cells, right? So it's something that you see if they are good or not. But in the data analysis? No. There is no common ground between the different pipelines or different ways people are analyzing the data. And I think here is even worse than in the white lab, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah, I agree. It's, and also because it's a, it's more of a black box often. People just run data. Data analysis is quite complex. And if you run a full pipeline, often you, you don't know exactly what... There's two or three variables you change, but you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. So it's very hard to make sure that it's re reproducible and you're doing the same thing indeed. Especially with data sets 
that's becoming as big as they are, where it's really, really hard to even like, I have a picture I'd like to show people of one of our first TSN emails. There were like 150 cells on there. So we actually looked at like each single cell has like a line with genes that were into. So we looked at actually every single cell. Now no one does that anymore because we have so many cells. We, we can't even look at all the clusters. We have to pull clusters together. So you don't know if, if two different bioinformatics uh, platforms uh, generated an extra cluster and it put in with another, you, you can barely see that. I, I think that's one of the things where the field really needs to evolve quite a bit is to standardize bioinformatics methods. In a sense, it's good. We're trying so many different things because you need that. We need to go through an evolutionary phase of testing many different methods and, and then keep doing that. But uh, at some point, we I'm sure we'll, we'll get to some kind of standards. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. So besides Sortsy, what other methods or technology does Single Cell Discoveries offers? What other things can we find? So we offer SortSeq, VasaSeq, which is similar in the sense that it basically uses the same primers, but it has a very different approach. Uh, it uses plates, facts, etc. It was published in Nature Biotech uh, last year by Frederick Salman. He's on our team as well now. Yeah, it's a full-length method because it doesn't rely on the original polyatil. It also captures non-mRNA uh, species, so long-coding RNAs and that kind of stuff. But depends on the cell type, uh, but about 15% of your reads are non-mRNA, so you get almost total RNA. We also offer 10x in multiple different flavors, so 3 prime, 5 prime immunoprofiling. We also develop a method for gamma delta immunoprofiling, which is not something that's supported by Tenex, but uh, we're actually presenting that in two weeks in, in, in Boston. We uh, do the Flex kit, the newer Tenex Genomics kit, and many different tweaks and, and additions to Tenexonomics site seek. We'll start doing a tax seek soon as well. So um, all the tenexonomics flavors, basically. Uh, we are looking into the more high throughput methods like parse and scale and all the other ones that are out there. Um, we're always testing not just how to process the cells, but also how to purify and enrich and clean up the cells. So we have ways of, especially with nuclear isolation, that what to your point, what you were talking about, it's it's even more variable because you leave digestion going on for 10 minutes longer or shorter, or you have a tougher tissue to the, your, your results can really vary. So we have a few mm -hmm. machines in the lab to basically automate that and, and make it really reproducible. And then on the data side, a lot is going on as well. So we're testing different methods. And uh, basically what we also have is R&D as a service. So especially for, for companies that have, le or, or even core facilities that have a few techniques they, they know and trust, but they want to go beyond the standard capabilities, our R&D team can basically sit down with our clients and, and figure out new methods. Yeah, that's great. And if I want to contact you, what do I do? What are the places that I can find? find more information, but also contact the website. Right. Yeah. So the website is the, the best place to, to start, I would say. So it's uh, scdiscoveries.com. I will leave all the links in the description of the podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, our website is the best place to start. There's a lot of information there. Also uh, support pages for how to you know fact sort and that kind of stuff. And it's really easy to book a meeting with us. So people can just go there, click on uh, book a call. You can immediately plan something in, in, in our calendars and book a 30 minute call just to, you know, discuss your research, see what uh, what what ideas there are. We always take it as a kind of a you know, collaborative coffee type conversation, just to hear someone out, see what they're up to, see if we can help or not. Even we're we're just happy to talk to people and uh, and help them get oriented. This call is completely free, right? Completely, yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And even if, you know, some, we often get people who, who have a call, but they're not sure they want to think about it. We're not going to be pushing for a project before we have a second or even a third call. We're, we're happy to do calls for free and help people, like I said, orient themselves, especially if you have no experience or some, but you really want to do something new. It's a tricky world to just get oriented in. So these calls are free. There's no pressure. We're, we're happy to help. So people can just book a call freely. And if we can't help someone, we will be transparent and tell them we, we cannot do it. Yeah, yeah. Or at least maybe you will have a connection. So 
someone that can. So yeah, also something very good in your website is the blog. So I highly recommend your blog because it's very simple, gives a lot of details on things that are very complete because information is out there, single cell research and single cell methodology, but it's difficult to find places where the information is digested and simplified. And one of the places is, is the blog that, yeah, single cell discoveries as Oh, thanks. It's very nice. We're trying to make the website informative. Yes. And so we are almost finishing. Yeah, I will just want to ask you if you have something else, like it's your free time, you can tell whatever you want. No, I'm just, uh, you know, happy to to be on the podcast. I think it's a very good initiative. So so thanks for, first of all, doing this, for having me on. It's, uh, like you said, it's it's hard to find kind of centralized places of information. Um, so I think there's a very good, good initiative. And I think we as a single cell scientist can do a better job at educating people and, and going in there. So yeah, I'd be happy to, for people to, if they have general questions or, or demands, like things they cannot find, information they cannot find, to, yeah, to reach out to, I guess, either of us or our website and, and let us know this is something we need that I don't understand how does it work uh, because then uh, we're, we're here to you know also be informative as informative as we can so glad to help there and um, yeah I'd be happy to uh, ask people to either go to our website or send us a general email at info at scdiscoveries.com with just general demands like I wish this existed I'm not saying we can make it but this, this would be awesome like this is something I really would like to do and I cannot do it so you know general questions like that I I'm always happy to receive and brainstorm about. So I would challenge people listening to hit us with difficult questions or, or wishes and uh, and hopes for, for the single cell world. Yeah, that you mentioned the wishes are, are very important because it's like for me, I prepare content and different podcasts. But of course, I, I'm always asking what people want because as, as experts in the field, there are things that we don't realize that like people need to listen or to know more about because we assume that everyone knows and no, not everyone. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, the same advice from me is as everyone that is starting single cell research as for advice, there are no silly questions, as uh, I always say. So just ask because, well, we have more experience. We did more mistakes, right? So we can share our experience and say, don't do that. And people will save time and money and frustration. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, that's it's been amazing how, how far the field has evolved and how many people are doing it now. Uh, going, like we said, from mouth pipetting single cells and taking a year to create one data set to people just doing millions of cells. And but that's also has made to your point about the data analysis, the, the field a bit more shrouded to people starting now is what exactly is going on and what does work, why does it work. So indeed it's very important to ask people for help and put in the effort to understand what's under the hood a little bit more than uh, than just assuming a method works or a data analysis pipeline always will work it's good to ask ask for advice yeah because i don't know about you but for me sometimes it's, it's not easy for me to be updated because there are so many things <laughs> it's, it's impossible i've given up it's it's uh i mean it's it's nice to be in a company with you know 40 plus people dedicated to single cell because everyone always finds something you haven't seen yet but it's bio archive especially since bio archive there's a new methods paper for both wet and dry lab every week and it's very hard to read them all with enough attention basically yeah the dry lab i'll already forget <laughs> i already put in the closet i try to be updated in the white life 
Yeah. <laughs> so. And what about social media? Do you have LinkedIn, Twitter? I don't know, Instagram? Uh, we don't have Instagram. I guess we're we're an old company in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> Now, if you want to sell, you go to TikTok. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, we don't have TikTok either. Sorry, kids. <laughs> no. So yeah, yeah. We have a Twitter handle. That's uh, where we. Uh, Uh, at C Discoveries, um, and we are on LinkedIn as well. Okay, I will leave this also. Th those two are the ones where we're most active. You can see updates about our company, new technologies, where we will be, at, uh, events, uh, vacancies, where we're growing fast, and we're always looking for for good people with with a single cell interest. So you know, keep an eye on those and uh, and see what we're up to. And the question, very important, is for the job vacancies. Where are you based? This is important. Right. So we're based in uh, Utrecht in the Netherlands, where we just moved to a really awesome new lab and office. Uh, we just uh, finished building that. It was an empty office building before, and we transformed it into a single cell laboratory, basically, with everything we need. Uh, yeah, we have one site. We have some people working abroad as well, but obviously, you know, all the lab work and, and most of our work is really focused in Utrecht, where we have a, a great team. Okay. Yeah, great. I think, yeah, it's everything for today, at least. Uh, thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you. And see you other day, maybe in other podcasts. Uh, other podcasts, or if you're in the Netherlands, uh, you and our, your listeners are welcome to uh, to visit our site and uh, come have a cup of coffee. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Bye, -bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Single Cell World podcast. If you think it was useful or you learned something new, please spend some seconds rating this podcast on Spotify or leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts. It will make me super, super happy. For more tips or advice, follow me in Instagram or Twitter at SingleCellWorld or simply subscribe our website or blog at www.thesinglecellworld.com. Well, I will wait for you next Monday with a new episode.